and welcome to Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, I'm glad you've joined us. Coming up a little later in the hour, we're going to talk with Oakland County Executive Dave Coulter following his State of the County address last night. But first, I'm joined by journalist and author Nathan Bomey. He's got a new book coming out this Friday, and it's titled Bridge Builders, Bringing People Together in a Polarized Age. And in the book, he explores the stories of Americans who are spanning the divides amid this time of intense tribalism throughout the country. Nathan, welcome back to Detroit Today. Thanks so much, Stephen. So uh, tell us when you started working on this book and what prompted you to explore this topic right now. Yeah, as you know, Stephen, I, I wrote a book on the misinformation age that was published in 2018. And I walked away from that experience, honestly, pretty depressed about the state of you know, affairs and the fact that you know, we seem to be so hopelessly polarized. And obviously, you know, as a journalist, you also see it on a daily basis. You just see so much hate, so much division, and we're immersed in it. And so, you know, I said to myself, I've got to go out and meet people who aren't accepting the status quo. I need to go out and talk to people who are bringing other people together despite their differences, whether it's politics, race, religion, class, culture, Whatever is dividing people, I wanted to meet uh, people who just simply weren't accepting that status quo and were trying to do something about it. So I started in late 2018, and it's funny, I realized actually only after the fact that I basically started reporting the project in the midst of the the longest U.S. government shutdown ever, <laughs> and it's which feels like a very quaint thing now considering everything that's happened since then, but actually would have been a probably generation-defining event in years gone by, which really says a lot about where we are. Yeah. So one of the things that's, I think, really key about this book is it's not just saying, look, people ought to be able to get along with people they disagree with. It's not sort of necessarily uh, preaching so much as it is giving us examples of people who are actually doing it and showing the value that they get out of it and that uh, that I think accrues to to the larger cultural narrative as a result. So so tell us though about some of the people that you highlight in in this book. Where and how did you find these folks? Yeah, you know, I, I took a really intentional approach with this. I, I did not, for starters, want to go out and talk to just a bunch of famous people who are in the hot headlines and maybe getting publicity because I thought, you know, that would probably be self-defeating because, you know, people are going to have preconceptions. They're going to have opinions already about people who are in the news and trying to do this sort of thing. And I didn't want that. I felt like that would sort of ruin it up front. So I said, I want to go out and meet people who are doing really grassroots work. Um, and a, a couple of occasions, I knew of some people who I thought might be a good fit. But for the most part, it was just about networking. For example, I, I, I knew I wanted to do a chapter on Charlottesville. And, you know, what are people in Charlottesville doing after what happened? in 2017. And so I started networking with some uh, religious leaders there and, and ended up connecting with a group called the Charlottesville Clergy Collective, which is formed by the Reverend Alan, uh, Alvin Edwards, who is a, the pastor of the Mount Zion African Baptist Church there, and talked to him about how he is trying to, to basically pursue racial reconciliation and religious reconciliation in Charlottesville in the wake of the incident there. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he, although he technically formed a group beforehand, before it happened, it really got supercharged afterward and it's tough work, you know, it, but I, 
I, I had this dynamic conversation with him where he said, listen, you know, if I don't believe that that other people can change, then that's a belief that I can't change. And I thought that was a really powerful way to look at it. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, I, this is a topic that's really familiar to me and pretty close to my heart because uh, uh, here in Detroit, uh, I do a lot of work with Nolan Finley, who's the editorial page editor at the Detroit News and a conservative uh, on trying to get people to think a little differently about people who think differently than they do. Uh, we have a, a project called the Great Lakes Civility Project where we bring groups together and get them to sit down and talk with people that they don't agree with um, to learn more about why people believe the things they do as opposed to sort of arguing about the differences uh, between them. And, uh, you know, uh, uh, in that work, I, I am always confronted with the idea that uh, somehow what we're pushing is, quote unquote, unity or some sort of uh, effort to deny the actual differences that exist between left and right or or between religions or, or, or whatever. And, you know, I, I thought one of the things you did really well in this book was to make that distinction, that this isn't about just getting along or some sort of, um, you know, collective big group hug. It, it, it is about being able to talk honestly about the things that divide us, uh, but to do it in a way that, uh, that acknowledges that the other side uh, is not necessarily evil or stupid or, or, or just dismissible uh, because of, of what they believe. Uh, t talk about how you, you, you drive at that point in the book. Yeah, I mean, you've been leading the way on this for a long time, Stephen, and, and I appreciate all the work you've been doing because this is a conversation we need to have about the fact that, you know, unity actually isn't really the right word. Yeah, it's an admirable goal, but that's not necessarily the end result of building bridges between people who aren't like each other. The goal is not necessarily to agree on everything. The goal is to reestablish a sort of degree of social trust in which we have respect for each other as humans, you know, and, and disagreement is okay and conflict is okay. And that's something that we actually need, you know, and to, for a healthy democracy to work, we have to have conflict. And, you know, the way I look at it is it's, you know, friction creates fire. And the only question is, whether we use that fire to create or to destroy. And, you know, so I, I don't think that we necessarily need unity. In fact, I don't think we'll ever get there. So that's not the point. The point is that we have some sort of social trust that allows us to have conversations. And I don't think we can do that unless we start forming relationships between people who look differently, think differently, pray differently. You know, we have to have those relationships. And it might sound like a very weak idea or not revolutionary, but my point, Stephen, is it's actually very revolutionary. It's a very countercultural in this world in which we live to say we actually should have relationships with people who aren't like us. Mm. I'm talking with Nathan Bomey. Uh, he's a business reporter for USA Today and the author of two previous books, one called Detroit Resurrected, the bankruptcy and back, and the other called After the Fact, The Erosion of Truth and the Inevitable Rise of Donald Trump. His newest book is called Bridge Builders, Bringing People Together in a Polarized Age. We're talking about uh, that idea of being able to reach across ideological or cultural or religious divides, especially right now, 
when things seem so tense and and divided and being able to to build actual relationships with people who aren't like you, who don't think the way you do, maybe who don't uh, worship the way you do, who don't live in the same kind of community that you do. Uh, if you want to join the conversation, give us a call. Do you have a relationship in your life with someone who is fundamentally different from you, politically, socially, culturally, or maybe even spiritually? And how do you embrace those differences? And what do you get from this relationship that's different from the relationships you have with people whose beliefs are much more closely aligned with your own. Uh, as always, the number here on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put comments there or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today and uh, we'll, try to, we'll try to work you into the conversation uh, that way. Also, give us a call and tell us if you think uh, this is all hokum, uh, that, that, uh, you know, that this is a time to, to dig in with your own with your own side and to fight, uh, you know, mercilessly against uh, the other side to make sure that they don't control uh, the narrative or, or policy in our country. I, I think there are a lot of people who feel that way because they feel so attacked right now. We'd love to hear from you as well. Again, 313-577-1019 is the number here uh, on the phones. Uh, Nathan, I want to talk about how much more difficult this is not because of the polarization we see right now, which I know is is a, a real driver, but because of the dishonesty that, I, in my opinion, one side has embraced uh, to a degree that the other probably never has. I mean, uh, the uh, profuse lying that goes on in conservative circles uh, the, the the excuse making for things that all of us know are wrong. Um, I, I think it makes it much tougher to not only build bridges with with people across that aisle, but to defend the idea of building those bridges uh, because it it's, it seems as though in so many cases, you know, one side is not. It's not being much of an honest uh, of an honest broker. I wonder what what you make of that difficulty. Yeah, I think it's a huge issue, and, and I couldn't agree more. That you know, when we are uh, immersed in a situation in which misinformation is being leveraged as a weapon, uh, then you know that's that's going to lead to a war. And I, I think that that's why we need to have this conversation about how do we de-escalate and try to help people reconnect with the truth, you know. And then so I, I but the, the case I would make is that we live in a two party system for better or for worse. So absent some form of political revolution that leads to something much different, which I don't see on the horizon, we're sort of stuck and we have to figure out some way to work together if we want some form of policy progress. Now, here's what I'd say, though. Um, you know, you can't build a bridge across an ocean, you know, mm-hmm. and I think we have to understand that, that that's going to be the case, and it's, it is what it is. But I think that sometimes the divides that we perceive as oceans are actually rivers. And, you know, we, you know, I think that a lot of times we see sort of elite, maybe conservative voices, so to speak, perpetuating misinformation. And you know, what do really people believe on the ground? When you actually look at the data, 
you know, yeah, there are certainly plenty of people who believe the big lie, quote unquote, but you know, how much conviction is there on those beliefs? And, uh, you know, do people on the ground really actually believe these things? I mean, I'm not sure. You know, I, I think that people can change their minds. You look at an issue like gay marriage, you know, only 15 years ago, 31% of Americans, only 31% supported gay marriage 15 years ago. Now, 61%. So I, I completely reject the idea that Americans can't change their minds and can't change at all. I mean, we've seen it happen. It, it happened even on a contentious issue like that. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, the other the other point I always try to make is that <clears throat> this problem looks much bigger and much more insurmountable when you think about it in the kind of grand or national terms. In other words, if, if you're thinking, well, how do we possibly stop you know, a mob of, of people from attacking the Capitol to over, overturn uh, an election? And how do we stop uh, lawmakers from, from you know, making excuses uh, for that? It, it, it's easy to look at that and say, well, there's no way. There's no way I can make a difference with that. But, but I always say that, that the, I think the more constructive way to think about it is where in your world do you find people who have ideas that maybe you don't agree with or don't support or are just horrified by and that that's your opportunity to move the needle? Being able to reach out in your school community or your church community or your neighborhood or in so many cases over the last four or five years in your family uh, to somebody who, who really does just see the world differently. Uh, from from the way you do, that's your opportunity. And it's a much more solvable task, I guess, uh, to do that than it is to think, well, I, I you know, I, I can't do anything about, uh, uh, you know, all these these crazy things that I see all the time on the television. Yeah, I mean, I, I think bridge builders always consider the possibility that they're wrong. And even, in, you know, it's, it's pretty rare that we are 100% right. You know, maybe in a, a argument with my wife, I'm 100% right, Stephen, but <laughs> I, I think <laughs> in, in normal times, no, I don't, I don't think that, you know, we are usually 100%, maybe you're 99% right, but, you know, there is a possibility that you that you're missing someone's perspective. And here's the analogy I would use. This isn't even in the book, but I, I look at it like this. If you're sitting in a football stadium or a basketball arena and you're on one side of the arena and you watch what's happening down on, on the court or on the field, um, you have a perspective on something. You see the way the play unfolded. And to you, you know, you, you don't, it's a verifiable fact what happened on the court. You saw it with your eyes. Um, but if you go to the other side of the stadium and you sit next to somebody who else who has a different vantage point, you may actually see something that you didn't before. Mm. Now, or, or perhaps you're just going over to show them what you saw, you know, and, and you help kind of puzzle it out together. But I don't think that we can get on the same page unless we have shoulder to shoulder conversations and relationships, because face to face. It's confrontational. If I'm just telling you what I see, that's not going to work. But I have to show you what I see. And, and that's how you can actually, it's, it's, you know, how they say that you want to have a difficult conversation, take a walk with somebody. I think that's the right analogy here. Mm -hmm. Okay, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to continue this conversation and we're going to get to your calls and social media comments. Madeline in the suburbs, Sam in Mount Clemens, you'll be up first. If you want to join them, 313-577-1019 is the number here on the phones. We'll be right back 
with more Detroit Today. Your city. Your town. Your voice. On 1019 WDET. Detroit's NPR station. This is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. And as always, I'm glad you have joined us. My guest is Nathan Bomey. He's a business reporter for USA Today. Has a new book out called Bridge Builders, Bringing People Together in a Polarized Age. We're talking about how you bring people together in a polarized age. How do you do that in your own life? How do you reach out to people who are fundamentally different from you are, whether it's politically or socially or culturally or maybe even spiritually. How do you embrace those differences? Uh, and if you can, what do you get from that relationship? And how is it different from relationships with people who you share much more in common with? Uh, as always, the number here on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. 1019. You can also go to Facebook and Twitter, put comments there, and uh, we'll try to include you. Let's go to Madeline in the suburbs. Madeline, welcome to the show. Hi. Um, I would say fundamentally for me, every human wants the same thing. And fundamentally, I think Americans have a warped sense of individualism hmm. and a strange sense of liberty, which to most people just means I can do what I want. <laughs> so I don't see bridge building possible because even as a Christian nation, we, we lack the ability to walk in someone else's shoes. So we have a lot to catch up on. And, um, and interesting, interestingly enough, uh, conservatives are preaching the sense of liberty and individualism. And Christianity. Mm-hmm. Uh, Madeline, absolutely appreciate the, the the call and the comments. Uh, that sense of individualism she's talking about, Nathan, I think, uh, does get to the things that I think people fear right now about build building bridges. In other words, uh, so many people feel threatened. I think by views that are different from their own. From their own, uh, you know, lifestyles that 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 don't that don't match what they think is right, and that uh, that sense of individualism comes out, and it and it manifests as absolute uh, division, as as absolute sort of uh, dismissal of uh, of difference. Well, I think that she's right that individualism is a real. Uh, problem and you know when it comes to building bridges because we all have our own perspectives but it's sort of also why we need to do it and you know but I think she's right and you know you look at what Dr. King said you know we're escape we're all we're caught together in a inescapable web of mutuality you know and the, the way that Valerie Cower put it in her recent memoir See No Stranger you know she's a Sikh civil rights activist she said I do not yet know in the sense that I don't think we can look at it like individuals. We have to look at it like we're in this collective story and that your story is in this, you know, is interwoven within mine. And that if 
we don't progress together, then neither of us progress alone. And so I, I think that it's especially necessary in this individualistic culture to build bridges because our political system is not individualistic. It's built based on having people having to work together. And if we don't work together, we won't achieve progress on critical issues like climate change or racial injustice or things that we have to do, we have to address. Mm. Uh, again, Madeline, thanks very much for the call and the thoughts. Let's go to Sam in Mount Clemens. Sam, welcome to the show. Steven, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm living a dream, buddy. Um, <laughs> so um, I actually, I'm a carpenter. Um, I left my job yesterday because of this issue. Basically, I'm an independent and the two partners I have, work partners, are very far right. Mm. And they we disagree a lot. And the homeowner we're working for actually is... A, no names, uh, a local celebrity. And I couldn't take it anymore. I basically threw away a quarter million dollars mm. to, um, I say, uh, because of my beliefs, I just walked away from the whole thing. Wow. I don't know how my career is going to end up, but I cannot believe this, like, far right racial uh it's it's unbelievable it's unspeakable yeah so so sam sam i i I want you to be a little more specific if you can about the things that your coworkers were doing or saying that made it so off i mean I'm, i'm trying to get a sense of what you've been enduring okay um uh black people you know that's the problem hmm. um uh, which I know, I know you're black. Uh, <laughs> uh, it, it just, it, 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 oh man. I don't so know they're, so you. they're saying, they're saying racist things is what you're saying. You're, you're cold. Yeah. In my stomach, like I had to go home and tell my wife, like I just threw away my your salary because of my belief. And I just can't jump on board with that. Like mm. I can't, Stephen. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, I understand, it, Sam. I mean, uh, I'm sorry. I'm upset about it's it. Okay. Because it's okay. So fresh. Now I have legal issues to deal with. Um, but I stood my ground, like every American should do, and stand your ground, people. Mm-hmm. Trust your gut. That's all I can say, yeah. sir. It's, Sam, I, 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 first of all, I'm really sorry that you had to experience that. And I'm sorry that you had to make that kind of decision. I mean, that's, that's a huge decision to have to make to try to, to try to, as you say, stand, stand your, your ground. But I'm really glad you called and, and shared that experience because I think, look, there are a lot of, there are a lot of people right now who I think are in situations like that and unsure of how to react or how to manage them. And, you know, this, this idea of, uh, being able to reach across to people who are different, it has its limits. I mean, there are, there are some situations and there are some folks who are beyond that, uh, who are beyond that reach. Um, so Sam, again, I'm really, really sorry this happened to you, but, uh, but glad you could share your story with listeners. Uh, Nathan, uh, I wonder what, uh, what, what you make of that. I mean, it's just a gut wrenching story, you know, and it's so, and I'm so sorry to hear that it's, 
it's, it's, I think it's really important to say that we, you know, that hate and, you know, and intolerance is never acceptable. Racism is never acceptable and bridge builders don't accept it either. And I think that that's, you know, there to build a bridge, you have to have a firm foundation in the truth. You know, you have to, um, you, you have to work from some, some degree of consensus over the facts. And that is one of the reasons why it's difficult to build bridges because we are immersed in this culture of misinformation. And so I think it is completely understandable to walk away from that sort of situation because we shouldn't be expected and no one should be expected to engage with hate, you know, but, you know, bridge builders choose inclusion over exclusion. You know, they're not going to engage in that way. Mm. Um, and, and so with, when extreme situations present themselves, yeah, I mean, I, I think that's what you do. Mm. And, you know, listen, you can't, like I said, I mean, there, there are some divides that you can't cross. Yeah. Yeah. Sam, again, I, I hope things get better. Uh, and I'm sorry for what you had to experience. Let's go to Joshua in Detroit. Joshua, what's on your mind? Hey, how you doing? Um, my name is Joshua. I'm a legislative um, policy analyst and also hmm. an event producer. Uh, a lot of the events that we make are focused around trying to bring people together in spaces for joy and using that as kind of a platform to open up dialogue about, like, really painful topics. I really want to say thank you to Sam for what he did there. I know that like that's something that personally impacts his wealth and his well-being in like a super personal way, but it's only because of the fact that people make decisions like that. And like a lot of times like these conversations do seem like the the main purpose is for us to like be able to see each other from different perspectives, but sometimes I think that like true care and true compassion is coming from the place and saying like, "Hey, like I understand why you think the way that you do, but at the same time, your perspective has like material impact on other people's livelihoods. Mm-hmm. And it's only when people like Sam make the decisions to create like strong schisms or like to, to create like create hard boundaries that we ever do achieve progress. Because when the issues come from places like um, homophobia or transphobia or just like the people's essential right to exist is wrong because of something that you personally believe in, then you're encroaching on their liberty in essential ways and I think that whenever we have events like um, we do this one called Brunch House where we let people come and it's pay what you can and they can be a part of the events to whatever extent that they like feel is good for them. Like you can come and you can just eat or if you don't have that much money, you don't have to pay anything. And if you want to learn how to DJ, you want to learn how to dance, we like run people through those processes. But oftentimes, like I feel like a lot of really painful conversations happen in those places. And I think that one thing that's important for us to do is like, even when we want to see the humanity of other people, we also have to remind them that, like, hey, uh, you you may think that black people this or gay people that, but like, if if we don't look that in the face and say that that has a material impact on me, that that this this is leading to people who look like me being like uh, maimed, murdered, or killed, then. Mm we can't actually achieve progress because sometimes it's not just a matter of rhetoric, you know? Joshua, really great, uh, really great thoughts. Uh, I'm glad you, you called uh, to share them. Uh, You know, it it is, it is about all of the things that you're talking about there and, and kind of pushing uh, on, on different parts of this to try to, to try to find ways to kind of break through uh, the things that, that, that are holding us back. I, I, I really appreciate that call. Uh, I'm going to take one more call before we have to end here. Gary and Allen Park, what's on your mind? Well, yes, uh, Stephen, I think one of the things that's missing in this conversation is the fact that we have media uh, as 
explained by Matt Taibbi in his book Hate Inc. Mm-hmm. That have their their entire way of profiting uh, driven by the fact that they end up riling up a particular segment of the population in order to have those people become consistent viewers. That happens both with started with Fox, obviously. And uh, but MSNBC does a lot of the same thing, and so does CNN. Mm-hmm. And 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 frankly, that dynamic of has led us into a position where most Americans are more fearful of what will end up happening based on their fellow Americans than based on any sort of foreign threat or other sorts of problems. Yeah, For Gary. Example, pandemic. Yeah, Gary. That, that's a great point. And, and Nathan, we did not talk about social media and the role uh, that it plays in all of this. But but uh, Gary's right. That there is there is an incentive uh, to to stoke division right now. And social media, I think, provides a lot of that incentive. It does. And and he also was, you know, critiquing the media journalists like myself who Mm -hmm. have also stoked conflict in a way that just is counterproductive. And I think he's right. I, I, I write extensively in the book about how we need to train the lens on ourselves as journalists and say, how can we play a role in bringing people together. And I think it starts with choosing caricature, choosing nuance over caricature, you know? And I think, unfortunately, the social media tends to reward caricatures. And, you know, so I, th- I think that we can start with, you know, telling authentic, you know, painting authentic portraits of people and choosing, you know, authenticity over sensationalism. And so, you know, I, unfortunately, yeah, unfortunately, the business model of uh, of the internet, it rewards clicks. And so, but there is an encouraging development, which is the development of more uh, paid digital subscriptions, which tends to reward depth and uh, creativity and authenticity and just um, enterprise over, you know, page views. And so I think if we, as we continue to head in that direction, then hopefully we'll see a more healthy media ecosystem develop and we'll maybe start to get a little bit away from that has dominated sort of this first era, this p- first part of the social media era. Yeah, yeah. Okay, Nathan Bomey, a business reporter for USA Today and author of Bridge Builders, Bringing People Together in a Polarized Age. Always great to talk with you. Thanks so much for joining us. Awesome. Thanks, Stephen. We'll talk soon. We're going to take another quick break. And when we come back, Oakland County Executive Dave Coulter is going to join us. He delivered his State of the County speech last night. We'll hear about what he said and what he expects for the county in the upcoming year. Stay with us for more Detroit Today. Detroit Today.